Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at verses uh, 13 to 16 this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. We're going to title the message, we would call it Influence. Influence. Um, Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 13, says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is uh, thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father, we thank you again for bringing us together this morning. We ask, Lord, for you to take your word Work it into our heart and mind that we may live for you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we ended uh, the message last week by asking the question, uh, is Jesus enough? Uh, if living for Jesus, if loving him by obeying his commands, uh, if you're doing this, if, if, if the world took everything else away from you because you valued righteousness over everything else, and all you have left is Jesus, would Jesus be enough? Now, again, look at verses 10 and 11 of chapter 5, where it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye uh, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Now, why would that happen? What would you possibly do that would warrant such, such hatred, such, such vilification from the world? Why would they persecute you? Why would they revile you? Why would they slander you? Well, the answer is found in verses 13 through 16. It's because of your influence. It is because you, as a lover of Jesus, as a disciple of Christ, as a child of the kingdom, you are right now already salt and light. You do not have to become this. You do not have to do this. If you're a child of God, you are already this. Now, it may have occurred to you, as, as you thought about the sermon last week, uh, and, and as you studied the Beatitudes, that, that you can't practice these things in isolation. Evidently, the teachings on the Sermon on the Mount are designed for um, you know, living in public. They're, they're not designed for monastic living. You, you can't just be a monk and, and go up on the hill and, and live by yourself. You, you can't be meek or merciful alone. Um, it's impossible to follow these teachings of the kingdom in, in a private atmosphere. Uh, they're to be practiced among other people. Uh, see, no man is an island. Uh, and, 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 and this relation to, to, to others, uh, as you're out in the world, you will have a decided witness. You will exert influence of some kind. Now, as Jesus continues this sermon, the uh, implicit assumptions in verses 3 through 12 are made explicit in verses 13 through 16. 
One commentary says, if the Beatitudes describe the essential character of the disciples of Jesus, the metaphors of salt and light here indicate the outer influence or witness for good in the world. In his mind, there's a connection between the attitude and the action. There, there's no separation. Uh, those whose character is described by the Beatitudes are now further said to be salt and light. In this part of the sermon that Jesus is preaching, we're, we, we move on to consider the function, the purpose of you, the Christian, in the world. Now, as, as kind of a preview, all those to whom God gives the internal attitudes found in verses 12, uh, 3 to 3 through 12 will, will have the external influences that are described in verses 13 through 16. See, Christ taught his original disciples and us, his later disciples, that Christians are to have a definite lasting impact on the world because the character and person of Jesus lives in us. There's one, uh, one giant presupposition that lies behind the Beatitudes and, and is found in all of them. The, the, the salt of the earth means that there's a small class within the greater whole, okay? Uh, and, and the same is true for the light of the world. And, and if, if, if we are the salt and we are the light, that means that the world must be destitute of these commodities. If we are to go into the world to be salt and light, that means the world is destitute of salt and light. As soon as you say this, that, that, that the world needs the influence of salt and light, we admit by implication that the world is in a bad state. And, and we don't have to look very far to know that that's true. If Jesus purposed to send the salt community into the world community, then that world community is in need of salt. Why would something be in need of salt? Well, if it were rotting, if it were decaying, if it were tasteless, without its influence, it would need salt. Uh, hidden within this saying was Jesus' condemnation of, of the world as a system. If the world needs our influence, the world needs Jesus Christ, which means it is without Jesus Christ, and it is hurting and decaying, and we can smell the stench. So Jesus realizes clearly that Christians are to be different from the world. Yet we're to be in the world for a positive, for a good influence. So this, this church, the collection of saints around the world, uh, will have, have, we'll, we'll have two roles in, in our culture, two roles in, in our society. A negative one is, is, is to arrest decay and to combat deterioration. A positive one is, is to dispel darkness and, and to point the way to the truth. I'll just ask, how, how well do we do that? How well do we do that in our homes, uh, in, in our community, at our jobs, in our, in our schools? See, we are to be unlike the world. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Salt is essentially different from the medium in which it is placed, and in a sense it exercises all its qualities by being different. 
See, the very nature of salt is that it is different in substance from that it seeks to influence, all right? It's, I mean, the influence is only possible because there's a difference. So let's look at salt for a little bit. The salt of the earth, what's the function of salt? In the ancient culture, it was used for preservation. They did not have refrigeration. They did not have electricity. So, so, so it's, it's, it's for preservation, now, you as individuals, you who are described in the Beatitudes, who you who are members of God's kingdom, were saved by grace through faith, for whom Jesus is enough, you are to influence the world as a preservative. We as Christians living in the world, operating within our culture, we bring our beliefs to bear. We offer a distinct perspective that non-Christians never offer. For example, just a couple examples. When we look at the problem of crime, and crime is on the rise in Juneau, we know the problem, we know why, we know how, but, but, but many times we will kind of hone in on the role of the family as a crime preventative. The institution, the family, uh, created by God for so many things, it, 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 it has a salting effect on our culture. You strengthen family life, and crime will go down. But, but, but those who don't follow biblical patterns really consider the, the, the preservative role that the family plays. Also, Christians have a definite view of, of civil punishment. Drawing on the Mosaic laws, we believe in real punishment and real restitution. Um, no other secular view opts for those those kind of measures. Christians with their distinctive beliefs, we can, we can salt many areas of our society. Now, if, if we Christians abdicate, abandon this area, if we stay out of the debate, then secularists carry the day. And we end up looking something like, like we do today. Instead, God wants us to be salt in this society. Sticking with the theme of our examples, he wants Christian criminologists who will apply biblical principles to the world around us. He wants Christian social workers to work within the system to, to, to salt teenagers at risk. Not assault teenagers at risk, but to salt them, influence them for good. He calls us to be salt, even if only a small number wherever we live and in whatever issues we are involved. If, if we withdraw from society or if we avoid these tough issues, we are not salting and we become good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled down. Second main function of salt is to taste. See, Jesus meant for Christians not only to preserve hold back the decay of the world but to but to flavor it to to enliven it to to make tasty a bland insipid world of vice so so we are to to see our influence as a flavoring agent and 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 this is part of our identity this is our function and role in society to preserve flavor to help make life worth living now if that's our function what's what what's the effect of salt 
Well, in, in, in taste, salt does its work by being consumed, by being blended in with the food. It has to, it has to expend itself. We, we must come out of the salt shaker. We have to mix into the world. We must be in the world. And of course, we're not of the world because we're of Christ. But Jesus does send us out into the world to influence it. Secondly, as to the effect, salt does not preserve without eating away the germs and stimulating exposed nerves. You know, the arrival of summertime, which for us will be three or four days in July, all right, we might be reminded of, of you know, it's, it's time to make some homemade ice cream, and that's always fun. Several years ago, I made a batch of homemade ice cream with one of those little electric ice cream makers, and I was putting the salt and, and, and the ice in. At the time, I had a small cut on my finger, and the rock salt really caused irritation. Right? If I didn't know better, I'd have, I'd have thought my, my finger had been amputated and the stump had been shoved into hot lava. It stung, Right? Don't look at me like that hadn't happened to you. You know what that, that hurts. You get salt in a cut. It hurts. Jesus knew this about salt. And sometimes when we Christians are trying to salt a dying world, those in the world welcome us about as much as they welcome salt being poured in a cut. Really. We, we have the effect of causing pain. And um, we have to be careful not to, not to shrink back from that, not to be afraid because salt has that bite, has that stinging effect. And that stinging effect should remind us that, that we're not the honey of the world. We're, we're not the sugar of the world. We're the salt of the world. Salt stings. And the unadulterated message of God has always been a stinging Thing, and you ought to know that in advance and expect that kind of response, but you still are salt, so you still must be salty. And you can, if Jesus is enough. What we see then, lastly on this verse, is note what happens when its function is uh, canceled or nullified or um, it, it doesn't live up to its purpose. And here we have a good test or evaluation of our faith. If, if one truly trusts in Christ, one's life will show that trust in Christ. That person will be true salt and influence the world around them for the good of Christ. And if you're not doing this, then you have to pause to see if you're on your way to uselessness. If you've, if you've had the salt of Christ leached out. See, are, are you one of those grains of salt in the shaker being poured out into a sin-rancid and spoiling world? If you are, then you're, you're one of Jesus' children. Another commentary says this. It says that the, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it at first. See, otherwise, if, 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 if we Christians are, are indistinguishable 
from non-Christians were useless. We might as well be discarded like potent, less unsavory salt and just thrown out, cast out under the foot of men. A.B. Bruce says, but, but what a downcome, he says, from being saviors of society to supplying materials for footpaths. And that's what happens to us when we, when we lose our influence. Our influence in the world must be greater than its influence on us or we will lose our savior. Our saltiness will be leached out of us and we, we, we do. We do have greater influence on the world than it has on us because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do this. You are this. Now look at verse 14. And we see that he goes from being salt to telling us that we are salt to telling us that we are light. We are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. There is, just like there was up in verse 13, there's an emphatic affirmation here. It says, you, plural, you disciples, you yourselves are the light of the world. Now they, by virtue of, of, of the remade character described in the Beatitudes, they are the light of the world. Now, now this is not some elite class of, 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 of Christian. Right? This is not some, some super spiritual ones that, okay, you have to be saved 15 years, you have to lead so many people to Christ, you have to have read your Bible through at least five times, then you'll be light. No, that's not what he says. It says, you are right now at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before these men even really understood who Jesus was completely. He says, you are right now light. Right now. As soon as you trust Christ as your Savior, you are right now the light of the world. Jesus gives two sources of light here, two sources of light. First, he says, a city set on a hill. See, true Christianity will shine even in a resistant culture, maybe especially in a resistant culture. See, in Jesus' day, electricity was not real abundant, right? So a city that was set on a hill that had lights, um, you know, in people's windows that would radiate all the more in contrast to the blackness that surrounded it. And, and, and a Christian's life is compared to that effect. It's to light up, to, 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 to stand out radiantly in the surrounding darkness. We know what this is like. We've been in the dark and we know what it's like to be in the light. The second source of light is a lamp on a stand. Jesus says rather commonsensically that you know you don't light a candle and then hide the hide the flame that's ridiculous why light a candle and hide the flame you don't right it, it's it's not supposed to happen it's 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 contrary to the function of light and the function of light is twofold it's 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 its primary function is to dispel the darkness so that we can see. 
See, God did this in the beginning, Genesis 1, 1 through 3. The creator of the universe, he lit up the universe first. We know from John chapter 1, verse 9, that, that, that Jesus himself is the true light, and he's coming into the world to dispel the darkness. So, so we as Christians are to have a darkness-dispelling influence about us. So you cannot make dark. All you can do is take away light. Dark is what's left. But when you add light, darkness necessarily vanishes. So first is to dispel darkness. The second function of light is to give guidance. Now Christians are to be exhibitionists of God's light and God's truth. We are to be walking billboards of the grace of God. We're to be walking sandwich signs of what God can do in somebody's life that has surrendered themselves to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We're not to cover it up. We're not to hide it. We're not to, 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 to you know, veil it. The effect of light is, is, is though it's often as unwanted as the effect of salt. Lost mankind is a lover of darkness, and they, and, and they do not want their deeds, their motives, their intentions exposed to the light of God's truth because they want to continue in their dark activities. But there are some who long for that light. Those who are lost and wanting to be found will welcome the light of the gospel. Just north of Springfield, Missouri, is a little community called Ritter Springs, and Ritter Springs has a cave. And a friend and I went to explore the cave, and, and we made it in quite, quite a ways. Had to crawl on our belly and go up over things, slide down some mud. And, you know, I was in college. I didn't know any better, right? Just about the time um, you know, my friend had gone down another passage, I stopped for, for a rest, and and, and he rounded a corner, so his light was out of sight now. And it was, it was right at that time my, my flashlight decided to take a break. And, and, and it was a total, palpable, oppressive darkness. Um, I've never been in darkness like that. And I, I began to panic. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I couldn't think, and, 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 and I, you know, Rod was, was back there. He couldn't hear me, and, and I was trying to fiddle with the flashlight to get it working again, and I was, all the scenarios running through my head, they're going to find my body back here, and, and you know, and I, 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 you know, immediately lost my bearing. I didn't know even which way to go to start trying to head out, and just by the grace of God, my light started working again, and you know, I was never... Never more overcome with joy by the sight of light. You can be light like that to somebody that is trapped and oppressed and in bondage and they're looking for some little flicker of truth. And that's you. You are the light of the world. The effect of light is to make things visible 
for us is to make the truth of the love and grace of God visible. And if light is not functioning that way, then it has to be hidden under something or hidden behind something. Because just as true salt, true light cannot be covered, it can't lose its effect unless something is done to it. Philippians chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. And that's you. That is your influence. And as Christians were given this charge, we are not to, not to be salt and light and Juno at some time, but we already are right now the salt and light of Juno. Now we are to do what we are now. See, if, if, if you look through, through, through history, the improvements that have been made to our society, whether they're in our homes, our schools, state, culture, they've usually been pioneered by those of us in the salt and light community. That, 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 that's our calling, to exert a positive influence. And today in our society, we need Christians to be salt and light wherever they influence. Whether it's in politics, don't, don't just turn that over to non-Christians. In the education system, on education boards, don't allow the humanist to, 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 to influence education because of your non-involvement. Maybe it's in law to bring God's righteousness and ethics back into the legal system or in social issues, a quest for peace and dealing equitably with the poor and the disadvantaged. We as Christians are designed, we're designated salt and light. And we can do this. We are this. He's given us his mighty power to do it. And, 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 and we are commanded to be faithful to this calling. Consider just, just some examples. Consider the effect of one Christian in a group who does not laugh at a particular kind of joke. Seasons that group. Or someone who practices forgiveness amidst a company that is poisoned by, by, by hatred. Often this person can bring healing and peace. Or somebody who stands up for the guy being bullied, the little guy, the geek, the nerd, the butt of the joke. He walks in to their defense. Or the high school Christian who in the classroom speaks against sexual immorality, stands up for sexual purity. The father who leads the family in prayer when they're at each other's throats or the businessman who shares his faith in Christ during a session where religion is mocked or the mother who persistently does not gossip over coffee with her friends who thrive on such. Can you imagine the ministry opportunities you have to be salt and light when you are in but not of the world? See, we're called to be a visible community of influence. We're called to be distinct from the world, but impacting the world. John Stott says Jesus calls his disciples to exert a double influence on secular communities. A negative influence by arresting its decay and a positive influence by bringing light into the darkness for it is one thing to stop the spread of evil, 
but it is another to promote the spread of truth. But probably the greatest tragedy of the church throughout history has been its constant tendency to conform to the prevailing culture instead of developing a Christian counterculture. We are to be different. We are different. But when we exert our influence, it might be costly. Verses 10 and 11 uh, are, 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 are the result of verses 13 to 16. Jesus said to his first disciples and to all true disciples, that, that, that really you alone, you alone, saved people alone are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In you alone, there is hope for that world. And it is to you alone that this call goes. Only believers are salt and light. Only believers are called to influence their culture, their society for good. And if you do not function as salt and light, no one else will and will live in a degenerating world portrayed in Romans chapter 1. We're there already. We need to beg God to help us live out what we are as salt and light. And in doing that, then we'll be able to radiate the Father's influence in this city. This is the biggest city that we've ministered in. It is the most liberal city that I have ever come across. I've not come across a lot, but in my small experience, this is a very liberal town, but that is no excuse. See, this is why they will do to us what is in verses 10 and 11. Because we exert influence counter to them. But this is why Jesus must be enough for us. Because there will be times when he is all we will have left. Then we'll find that he is enough. When we have nothing left but him, we'll find that we have plenty. So what's, what's our charge? What's, what, what's our marching orders? What's our application? It is to go and influence your world for Christ. You are right now. You are salt. You are light. So be savory. Shine brightly. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you again for this uh, look into your word, this time in your word. And, and Father, thank you that this is not something that we have to drum up. It's not something we have to measure up to. You have declared that we as your people are what we need to be. So, Father, I pray that you would make us savory and bright. And I pray that your spirit would convict us when we try to, to hide our light, when we try to hold back our influence because of the price we think we'll pay. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us that, uh, that, that, that confidence, that cheerful 
courage to step out into the world, uh, realizing that they will hate us because they hate you, but there are some who will come to love you. Father, we have brothers and sisters out there that are waiting to be adopted into our family. Father, I pray that you would use us to influence this town. As lost and as wicked as it is, just a little bit of salt, just a little bit of light. Help us to be what we are. For your honor, Lord, for your glory, for the benefit of those who would come to know Christ because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keith, would you come?